0: In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's, speak. Let's
0: pray together. We are grateful for your word, Father. We ask that as we look at it, as I speak about it this evening, that the Holy Spirit would allow us to hear your voice, that you would speak your truth to each one of us. I ask this. So one thing that Christians and non-Christians both have in common is that we all have to deal with pain, and suffering, and heartbreak, and discouragement. To some extent, it doesn't matter who you are, to some extent everyone, everyone in this world at some point in their life will have to face suffering. What I want to talk about this evening, however, is
1: how knowing Christ, really knowing Him as your Savior, can make a difference in the way you
0: experience Him. And this is one of the things we learn in the Bible, is that when you come to Christ, He doesn't take all the problems out of your life, right? He doesn't take away all the, all the difficulties, um, your pastors and other church members are helping uh, people who are survived, survived the hurricane, that hurricane hit Christians, and non-Christians away. right? God doesn't take away all the suffering. However, when you come to know Christ, He gives you a completely different perspective on that suffering, and that radically changes the way you experience it. So if, if you are a believer in Christ, it be maybe something I shared tonight will encourage you, especially if you've been going through a hard time, and, and if you're not a Christian, I hope that what I share tonight maybe be something just going to entice you uh, to want to explore a little more closely the, the claims that the Bible makes
1: about Jesus. Now, you guys as a church, right now, are studying
0: the book of 1 Peter. By the way, I love the name of your sermon series, Stranger Things. Um, it would kind of scare me, but uh, I, like, I like the title. 1 uh, Peter is a letter written by the Apostle Peter, and it was addressed to Christians who were scattered through different parts of the first century world. And we can tell from this book that these Christians were suffering. They were going through some really, really hard times. Uh, The apostle mentions suffering at least 15 different times in this book. It's like a major. He uses eight different Greek words to describe it. So this is more than just one kind of pain. They were going through all different kinds of hardship. And you see that at the end of verse 6. He says this. You have been grieved by various trials. I wonder if anyone here tonight would say, that described me. Right? I've been grieved by various trials. That's that's the description of the people to whom this was written. And the apostle, in these short verses here, tells them, he tells us, three things that are always true for Christians and so, Three things are always true. When I say always true, I just, I just want to tell you, when I say always true, I mean always true. Right? So this, These things are true for anyone and everyone who has, has trusted in Jesus Christ. This is not just for pastors or missionaries or you know super saints like your grandmother who you read the Bible every day for an hour. Listen, this is not about anyone who's going to Christ and trust so this is always true for any Christian. And this is always true no matter what the suffering is. It might be uh, physical illness. It might be financial need. It might be um, really complicated relationships. Have you ever gone through something like that? It might be loneliness. In fact, the things I want to share tonight is are true even if the suffering that you're facing is to some degree your own fault. Right, that's happened to me since I've committed bad decisions I've made in the mud, <coughs>
1: even then these things are true alright so here they are three things true for Christians
0: and the first is this for the Christian all suffering is temporary you're going through a hard time this is not forever look at, look at verse 6 Can we get verse 6 on the screen um Verse 6 says this, in this you rejoice, though now. What are the next four words? Mm-hmm. For a little while, if necessary, <coughs> you've been green by the grace of God. So, so Peter's writing to these suffering people, and he's saying guys, this is this is just for a little while. Left her completely blind in both eyes. And so, for her life, Donna, there's just a lot of things that she probably wanted to do and she never got to do. She never married and had kids. Yeah. But also, she never drove a car, never rode a bike, never played volleyball, never you know, watched a movie, never saw a sunset. Um, a few years ago, Donna passed away in her, her descendants. When she died, she was still blind. God never healed her. The Apostle Peter would say that Donna's suffering was
1: for a little while.
0: Now, I would probably say, what do you mean, Peter, for a little while? She suffered from this blindness her entire life, right? The apostle would say, no, she did. She just suffered with that blindness for a tiny fraction of her life. Why? Because Donna's life didn't end when she passed away. She has
1: eternal life. It's a hard concept to understand, isn't it? But that's, that's That was true for Don.
0: That's true for every Christian. Um look, look at verse 3 and 4. Peter says this, Blessed be the God, Father our, of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for good. Sure. He's, he's saying to Christians who are going through really hard times, he's saying, listen, there is an eternal, never-ending inheritance that is right now being kept in heaven for you. It's hard for me to wrap up. Do you have trouble sometimes? I mean, really thinking
1: about that. What the Bible tells us, however, is, is, Christian, because Jesus Christ died on the cross, your sins are forgiven.
0: God is not angry with you. God God is not viewing you as someone who's in debt. Your sins are forgiven. And because Jesus rose from the dead, believer, you know something, Christ, too. You you have been given eternal life in Jesus Christ. Peter says here that God has caused us to be born again into what? Into a living world, not a dying world. Believer, the hope that you have in Jesus Christ is not just for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 80 years. No, listen, and then it dies? That's the end of it? No, it's a living hope, a never dying hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So, um, if you're going through a hard time, this does not mean that I'm saying, well, just cheer up. You're going to heaven someday. That's not what this is saying. Believer, God loves you dearly. He loves you so much, he gave his son for you. You're going through a hard time right now. He, listen, he cares about every sleepless night. He cares about every tear you cry. But he would say to you, "This suffering that you're facing right now,
1: oh man,
0: one second into eternity, you look back on this and say that was—it's was just for a little while. And what he has preserved for you in this forever—and so you'll often find." will often find the apostles in the New Testament talking about the hope that they had of, of eternity, and, and, and they talk about this without being embarrassed at all. They just say, this changes everything about our life right now. So, for example, uh, Paul said in Romans eight eighteen, he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly We are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being removed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen, he said, is temporary. So I wonder how that would I wonder how that might change your experience of whatever difficulties you might be going through right now. If, If the Holy Spirit were just kind of increasingly giving you an eternal perspective, you would say, okay, I'm going through this right now, but this suffering does not define me. This divorce does not define me. This abuse does not define me. This disability, this whatever, this depression, Because this is not the last chapter in this person's life. No, God has an eternal
1: inheritance waiting
0: for him. This is just for a little while. So, for the Christian, first, all suffering is temporary. Second thought, Peter tells us, is, is that for the Christian, all suffering is limited. There's listen. There's a limit. There's a limit to what God will let you go through. He, he knows how much you can take. Okay? He knows how much you can bear. He knows, what is it, Psalm 103 says, He knows that He knows what we are made of. He remembers that we are dust. And he, he will only let whatever whatever form of pain or suffering comes into your life, He's only going to let it go so far. God, God says... There's no limit to this. And you see that in verse 5. The the apostle says this. By God's power, you are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He he says, Christian, you are being guarded. And the word that he used there was a military word. It meant to be encircled by uh, a ring of soldiers. You can imagine if I were right now, I just had a whole ring of armed men standing around me right now. Uh, I have a friend who used to work with the, uh, the Secret Service for the UN. And his job, with another whole group of really tough-looking guys with really big guns hidden in their jacket, his job was to encircle heads of state when they would come to visit. So he, he guarded uh, George W. Bush. Obama, he guarded Mother Teresa. Uh, Wherever these people would go, there would be a circle of armed men
1: surrounding them, protecting them.
0: Christian, this is saying that you are God. You are encircled By what? By God's power. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, right? God's power. You sing about God's power, talk about God's power. Listen. Do you, do you know what the apostle said when he says, God's power?
1: Guys, it's God's power that spoke the universe into
0: existence. It's, it's, it's God's power that is right now sustaining everything that is. It's God's power that parted the Red Sea. Remember that story? The Israelites were trapped. Pharaoh's always coming. There's no way they can go. God just says, see, open. It's God's power that did that. It's, it's, it's God's power that, that brought them into the land. You know, they were just a bunch of refugees with no power. They were running from captivity. They come to this nation. Nobody wanted them in that nation. And God says, you know what? It's yours. It's God's power that came to the land. It's God's power that, 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 that slew the tell ta- Listen, it's God's power that raised Jesus from the dead. Peter said, Believer, right now you are gone. You are encircled by God's power. Try to imagine this. It. It's almost as if God says, For every one of his children, He says, You know what? I am right now drawing a circle around you. Right now. And I'm not going to let you stray outside that circle into some place you're not supposed to be. And I'm not going to let anything into that circle that's not supposed to be there. That, that, that makes me think of what is the verse in that? Uh, is it First Corinthians chapter 10? That's where it is. Where it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. You could translate that tested beyond what you can bear. But with the temptation, with the testing, He will also provide a way out so you can stand up. God will not let God will not let more come to you than you with his help can handle. kind of reminds me of the story of Job. Um, you don't encourage suffering people by pointing to Job because they go, oh man, this is really a, a sad story. But think about the story of Job. You know that story, the devil comes to God and, and, and God says, "Have can noticed my my servant, Job, he honors me, and Satan says, oh yeah, let me add. And God says, okay, I'll tell you what. You can mess with his possessions, but you can't touch him. That's what the devil does That there. There's all kinds of pain and loss into Job's life. And and, and, and Job keeps serving the Lord. And, and, and then the devil says, well, come on, let me, let me mess with his, his uh, let me kill him. And God says, no, you can mess with his health.
1: And so he suffers a loss of
0: health. And that's an discouraging, right? But here's what's encouraging about this story. The devil can only go as far as God says. God is going to the life. And the evil one can't go one inch past it. Believe that is as true in your life right now as it was for Job back then. Suffering, pain, difficulty, temptation, what heartbreak and what you can't go one inch, you are encircled right now by the power of God. Let me me tell you how that helps me, and I have to keep reminding myself of this. Um, If I can confess one of my sins to you, I am a worrier. Anyone else here? A worrier? I mean, everyone worries a little. I worry a lot, but so I can tell you um, Whenever there's any kind of any kind of difficulty, um, my first reaction is to kind of think of the worst case scenario. Right? So I heard that my mother was sick with a cold. I called her last night. She didn't answer the phone. Guess what I'm thinking? She's lying on the ground there And I call her today. No. So, um, but I just imagine the worst. Here's what helps me to remind myself: God's up there, and I'm just saying, "You know what? I got this. I got this. Not, nothing is going to happen in your life that I haven't permitted." There's this limit that God draws, and what's it? Psalm three says this: "I lie down and sleep; I wake again because the Lord is." So there is, all suffering is temporary. Okay, it's not forever. And all suffering is limited. God will not let it go beyond what is going Remember that old hymn? Uh, when through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow will be not overflow. For I will be with you, your troubles to bless and sanctify to you
1: your deepest distress.
0: So, for the Christian, all-suffering is temporary. All-suffering is limited. And one, one more thought that we learned from this passage is that for the Christian, all-suffering, all-suffering has a purpose. Uh, God never allows needless pain into our lives, and God never wastes pain that he allows into our life. So again, look at verse 6. Uh, In this we rejoice, but now for a little while, What's the next words? If necessary, you have been freed by various trials. God only allows difficulties in life if he considers it necessary. He has a purpose for it. Now, this is where um, it's pretty mysterious. And if you have a friend that's going through a hard time, the last thing you want to do is step into their hospital room and tell them that you know exactly why this is happening. We don't know God's purposes all the time, right? I think sometimes we will not understand why he allow certain things to happen until we're in the presence of Jesus and he explains it to us, right? But he always has the purpose. And Peter does point to one very common purpose that God will have for hardship in our life. In verse six, the end of verse six through verse seven, He says, "You've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ." So He's comparing your faith in Jesus, believer, to gold, and you know as they tell us. Gold, when they dig it out of the ground, has all kinds of impurities. It just looks like a pretty dirty rock, and so they put it in very, very hot fire, and the fire burns away everything that shouldn't be there. And when you get done with that process, what you have have pure, valuable gold. And this passage is saying that Christian, you are worth to God, that all the gold of the world. God doesn't care that gold is pure. But He loves you. He has an investment in you. He gave His Son for you. And He is preparing you. Listen, what He is preparing you for, you cannot even imagine. For all eternity. And so right now, He is purifying, preparing you and me for something. This
1: life. Have you ever seen this ever happen to you?
0: You go through a really Surprise us. You see that in the Bible. Just about, if you read the Bible, just about anyone that God ever used in a significant way had to be prepared for that through what? Through suffering. For example, Sarah, Abraham's wife. Sarah became the mother of a great nation. But first, she had to be prepared for decades of barrenness and infertility. right? Uh, or Moses, the great liberator of God's people. He had for 40 years. She's working as an as a, uh, insignificant shepherd. Right? David, anointed king, after God's own heart, had to spend years, before, before he ever came to the throne, years running from his enemies. Esther, remember how God used Esther to, to rescue the entire nation of Israel? She had to endure a forced marriage to a difficult to get to that position where God can use her. So, um, these were people used by God. First, they were prepared. I wonder if, uh, I just wonder if God's preparing some of us here tonight to be used in a different amount of ways by going through a hard, difficult
1: situation. Um,
0: the, the, you've heard of Martin Luther. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. The man, he was named after, his father was named after, was a great reformer. Martin Luther, Martin Luther once wrote an essay, the title is something like this, How to Be
1: a Great Theologian. You want to know how to be a great theologian?
0: This is what Martin Luther said. He said you need three things in Latin that were oratio, uh, meditatio, and tentatio. All right? He said these three things will make you a great theologian. Oratio. You need to pray a lot. Meditata. You need to read the Bible And then he said to the You need to suffer. You will never, you will never really know God unless you do those things. You pray a lot. You read the Bible a lot. And you suffer. I wonder, I wonder if you've ever known. Um, have ever known a Christian who's walked with Christ and lived for Christ for you know more than just a few years, maybe several decades. And you get around, you get around some Christians and you say, Man, she really knows Jesus. I mean, when I mean, her
1: presence, I feel like she's had lunch with Jesus. She's
0: like she really knows him. Or he, he, he just seems so close to God. I hear him pray he's talking to his, his friend. Have you ever known someone like that? Invariably, if you ask that, how did this happen to you? I would bet, nine times out of ten, maybe 99 times out of 100, they will say to you, you know, I was a Christian. My faith was very superficial. My my walk with Christ was very inconsistent. And then my son died. Or then my wife died. Say that. that's when I got to know Christ. That's when I really got to know him. Not when I read so-and-so's book, and not when I went to reference so-and-so's church. It's when I went through that whole time. And he proved himself to me. And he taught me to pray. And, he, and, and other Christians gathered around me. That's when I got to know him. Now I have the sense that um, the Christians to whom Peter was writing this passage. If we could have met, him, we would say she knows Jesus. He really knows Christ, and they got to go through suffering. And Peter seems a little bit surprised by this. Now, remember, Peter was one of the twelve disciples. He actually walked with, and talked with, and ate with Jesus in the flesh. Right? He knew Jesus. He's writing to Christians who live in. Different parts of what today we would call Turkey. So these are these are Christians who probably had never been to Palestine. They never never physically saw Jesus with their own eyes, right? Like he has. And yet he seems surprised that they know Jesus just as well as he does. Verse 8, he said, though you haven't seen him, you love him. Though, though you don't see Him now, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. You say, guys, I, I meet you, and I, you were never on that road to Jerusalem with us. You were never on the Galilean Sea with us. You were never there with us. But it's like you know Jesus just as well as suffering, right. trusting in Him, you know what I'm talking about. That's when the Holy Spirit made you move. Forward. So, I don't know, you're going, maybe, maybe <laughs> you're not going through anything hard at all. So if you're going through a hard times, it, it, it could very well be the guy saying, you know what, I love her so much, I love him so much, I want to draw him close to me. I want to bring some fire to this gold. I want to bring some fire. Goal, fire. I have a purpose to this. So I want to just ask you to pray for me. suffering for a purpose, to prepare us, to strengthen us, to allow us to know Jesus and we never know. And so I want to pray in particular for anyone here tonight who is dealing with heartbreak, or sorrow, or loss, or illness.